When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Great. How about yourself? I'm swell. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's, it's, or if uh, we said that the last three weeks. Probably have. <laughs> I like it. This show is our last show before the Christmas holiday. It sure is. And uh, Last show of 2023. For oh, that matter. Right, that too. <laughs> I like Katie is always so excited to be like, and then we don't have an episode. Yeah, one one a year. I'm sorry, y'all. One a year. Y'all are busy anyway that week. <laughs> what? We, you're, you're not looking for us. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you are. And if you are, go back and listen to an episode maybe you haven't listened exactly. to yet. Exactly. Listen to the John Mayer episode. Right. <laughs> or our recent my interview suggestion. with Kylie Minogue. There you go. Uh, you know. Uh, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show... We've got chart news on how Nicki Minaj lands her third number one album on the Billboard 200 with Pink Friday 2, becoming the female rapper with the most number ones in the chart's history. Plus, how Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You jingles back to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for the first time this season and for the fifth season in a row. Also on the show... Pentatonix's Scott Hoying and Kevin Olasula join us to chat about the group's latest album, The Greatest Christmas Hits. Also, they're chatting about their turn in the holiday film Candy Cane Lane, their recent Grammy Award nomination, and what holiday music they play at home during the holidays. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, Visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. All right, well, let's do the chart chat. First up, Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday 2 debuts atop the Billboard 200 albums chart, marking her third number one and the most number ones among female rappers. She previously led the tally with Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded in 2012, and her debut studio set, Pink Friday, in 2011. All the Pink Fridays. All the, it's nothing but pink. <laughs> uh, also, you may be wondering... Uh, what female rapper was she tied with with two number ones? I am wondering. Guesses? I have one guess. Well, no, two. Lauren Hill never had two unless we're counting Fuji's albums. Nope. Um, okay. Uh, and Cardi very, only has a debut album. It's so a very it's limited Car- world. Unless it's not like a Cardi mixtape and uh, album. Mm, no. Nope. Okay. Um, uh, am I going farther back For- in time? Farther, <laughs> farther back in like the sense of like the 90s. Yeah. So like Lil' Kim. Close. Uh, Eve. Uh, Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown. Uh, she <laughs> Just had, gonna keep going, guys. <laughs> she had her own solo album, plus she was credited as one of the artists on the uh, Firm collaboration mm. album with Nas and one or two other people who I'm okay. now forgetting. Well, Pink Friday 2 launches with 228,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending December 14th. Of course, according to Illuminate, 
That sum marks the largest week for a rap album by a woman in the 2020s decade and the biggest for an R&B hip-hop album by a woman in 2023. Also in the top 10 of the Billboard 200, Tate McRae lands her first top 10 as her new album, Think Later, debuts at number four. Having a real moment, Tate. And it's all happening at the end of the year when typically you don't sort of unveil a new artist's, you know, album rollout. Totally. Like, but clearly they thought, yep, this is our time. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. It's working. It's working. I mean, you, they could have, in theory, waited until January and maybe had more of a... Number one. But she had momentum coming out in November with yeah. uh, SNL and the BBMAs and her uh, first top 10 on the Hot 100, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and the global uh, charts. Uh, Greedy was number one on both. They're also, you know, clearly thinking that this is not just a singular moment. This is something where there's going to be more singles and more continuing build as they go not forward. Not a single moment. A, <laughs> I say not a singular moment. It's a, sing, a singles moment. Don't mind me. Keep going. What? Were you correcting me? <laughs> no. I was just noting that you said singular and singles, and I was trying to make a connection, but it didn't work. Okay. <laughs> Next, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You merrily returns to number one as the song steps two to one for its 13th non-consecutive week atop the list. And that's across five different holiday seasons. It's topped the chart for at least one week in each of the last five seasons. Last week's number one, Brenda Lee's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, falls to number two after two weeks at number one. Uh, some numbers for you. In the tracking week ending December 14th, Carrie's Christmas drew 42.2 million streams, and that's up 10%, and that was boosted in part by the December 8th premiere of its Festive Lambs Edition music video, which features the song's original audio from the 90s uh, set to new performance footage. And it had 26.1 million in radio airplay audience impressions, that was up 8%, and it sold 8,000 downloads, and that was up 68%. And that gain was aided in part by the iTunes Store's 69-cent sale pricing for multiple holiday titles, not just Mariah. You know, I was thinking while listening to Christmas Radio this morning, um, one of the things I feel like that Mariah has going for her in the landscape of all of these Christmas songs is that you don't really hear, I know that some exist, but you don't really hear any covers of All I Want for Christmas is You. It is the Mariah original, and that is like the one that they play on the radio. Didn't Barry Manilow cover it? Many people have covered it, but you don't, you just straight up do not hear them on the right. radio. Whereas, I hear the Leanne Rhymes rocking around the Christmas tree all the time. I hear uh, versions of Last Christmas other than Wham! all the time. There's a Backstreet Boys one. There's a Taylor Swift one. And it's, I think I was just thinking about how, you know, they're not going to play both Brenda Lee and Leanne Rimes in the same hour. They're not going to play uh, Wham! and Backstreet Boys in the same hour, whereas you literally could play Mariah every hour on the hour. There's just value in that, radio-wise. I do wonder uh, what are the sort of the the politics and negotiations that go into... Christmas making, playlisting? Yeah, like... You know, why, you know, I mean, we, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You has covers of it, but no one has chosen to. None of them have risen yet. 
to right. like where they they compete at all with the Mariah version. I think it, it's just anyway. become so it's it's like in the sense of like well no one wants to hear a cover of Jingle Bell Rock just hear Bobby Helms version. That's true. You don't hear I I can't think of a Jingle Bell Rock one, but I was just thinking it's interesting cuz those are the ones that I just named are the ones that are highest. Obviously Jingle right. Bell Rock is too, but they are competing with other versions of themselves. Right. And it also made me wonder if you were to like create a chart where you just had this it was like a song chart where every version of the song was comboed together what that would look like oh you see what i'm saying yeah a, a million years ago billboard used to have a sheet music chart oh wow um i forget when it was maybe the 30s 40s sure something like that yeah and i think i wonder i'm like well did that i mean that in that in essence was just when people purchased sheet music to play it on their pianos yeah. at home you know or to play it in like a piano hall or something totally and that was just like well that was literally a different bunch of that was like you that's like every the person getting it to do it themselves b before people sort of popularized the idea of commercially available recordings yep. across the u.s yep. or across the world interesting. interesting okay well i'm sorry about that holiday tangent there but i was just thinking about it you know as i was listening to christmas radio as i do and now, let's keep that holiday spirit going as it's time for our interview with Kevin and Scott from Pentatonix. We caught up with the guys just a few days ago as they were winding down their holiday tour, the most wonderful tour of the year, <laughs> and getting ready to go back home for the holidays. But don't worry, if you miss the tour, you can still catch a special presentation of the concert on veeps.com on December 22nd. In our conversation, we also talked to them about their new album, The Greatest Christmas Hits, their recent Grammy Award nomination for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album for Holidays Around the World, and their role in the new Eddie Murphy holiday film, Candy Cane Lane, a real favorite in the Atkinson household. <laughs> Plus, since so many people soundtrack their holidays at home with music from Pentatonix, we had to ask Kevin and Scott what holiday music they play at home this time of year. And the answer, well, it might surprise you. It surprised me. Yeah. So <laughs> take a listen to our chat with Kevin and Scott of Pentatonix. Welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Scott and Kevin of Pentatonix, uh, thank you for making time to chat with us. Thank Hi, you. how's it going? And of course, thanks for having us. We wanted to start by congratulating you for your recent Grammy nomination for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album for your 2022 album, Holidays Around the World. So, of course, the group is already a three-time Grammy winner, but it must still be a thrill to get that Grammy nomination, I'm assuming. Thank you. It is absolutely a thrill. Every single time it feels like the first time I, my husband, Mark, woke me up and was like, you got a Grammy And we were like freaking out. It's just, it's so cool. We put so much like heart and time and effort into this album. And we got to collaborate with like the most iconic artists from all over the world. And it was just like such a beast to make and the logistics alone. And then it was such a creatively fulfilling project to see it just honored in this way is um, really beautiful. Kevin, did you have anything to add? Oh, I mean, no, I think he said it kind of perfectly. I mean, you know, you never go into an album project thinking, I think, about Grammys or stuff. You just want to make the best possible product that you feel like speaks to your heart at that time and hopefully reaches people. And so it's always so cool. It's like the icing and cherry on the on the cake whenever you get that Grammy knob. So I, I feel so thankful and, and honored and blessed that we could even have that opportunity to be to be recognized by the Recording Academy again. Um, well, we're talking to you right now as you wrap up your current holiday tour. 
in support of your new 31 song album, The Greatest Christmas Hits. Um, I think we can act, I can hear it. I think we can hear sound check literally in the background. I hear some bass. I, know, I literally just text Kirkcore manager, can they wait a second? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it may, since this is audio, it's going to make the fans go, oh it's my good, God, they're it's really good there. atmosphere. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> um, well, uh, this album, The Greatest uh, Christmas Hits, marked your 10th top 10 charting album on our holiday albums chart. Uh, by the way, I work in charts, so I got nothing but data and numbers, and I will try not to drown you in numbers. So congrats. No, I love it. I, I, you love it? Tell me more. Oh, oh well, our, our manager, Lisa, was texting you, and uh, you sent back like this very detailed numbers of where our album was doing and how it was doing, and I loved it so much. You're like a human calculator. Look at that, Keith. Uh, You're doing the Lord's work over here. So uh, anyway, this album, which I just talked about, has 31 songs, 23 previously released hits, uh, eight new songs, including your newest adult contemporary top 10 hit, Please, Santa, Please. So as you've made a few holiday albums, uh, I think we're up to nine possibly now, if we include the hits compilations. Um <laughs> What goes into the song selection uh, when you do a new holiday project? And I, I think just because you've there are few acts that have recorded as many holiday songs as Pentatonix, it must be at this point kind of a struggle to kind of come up with the perfect uh, curated list of songs. So how does that how does that work for you when you're coming up with the songs for each album? I mean, it's tricky. I mean, honestly. We, we have, there's only so many Christmas songs and we've released 94 of them. So we have like, so we do the ones that are popular that we haven't done yet, but then also we like to get creative and do songs that are more wintry and have lyrics that involve the winter time, such as Kiss from a Rose. I don't think anyone's ever thought of that as a holiday song, but in the pre-chorus it does say when it snows. And we were like, that sounds good to us. So we have... We, do, we get creative like that too. And then when curating the greatest Christmas hits, we just go through the ones from so much touring and releasing so many albums. We kind of like did some conscious internal research of what moves people and what moves us and what we love to sing and what we feel would make the best soundtrack for people's Christmas festivities and opening presents. And so we just like put all the bangers uh, and then like basically a whole new album as well with eight new songs. I'm wondering though, if there's any Christmas songs that any of you have like individually thought to record for one of these holiday albums and you haven't been able to yet if there's any like passion projects you're you're still you're still aiming for i think all the ones that we've been passionate about have made it in at this point but i have this new obsession with holly jolly christmas because i realized it's like one of the top streaming or selling christmas songs of all time like in the top five or something and we well, keith would know more than me but, uh, but uh, we haven't done that song yet weirdly that Whoa. is shocking <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> or like Silver Bells. We've never done that one either. And yeah. so there, there are definitely songs we haven't done. But, you know, we, we also have to pace ourselves because, I mean, there are only so many Christmas songs. Like and, you know, we also want to get creative about how we go about Christmas songs. Right. You know, you know, we've done practically like pop Christmas albums. And so we're thinking, are there different directions that we can go that create a theme that allows for us to have a different feel on Christmas than we normally do, which I think will be cool. So I think we're thinking about that right now as, as we think about the future. Like a, I love like the idea. Metal. 
Oh, so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I love the idea, though, of turning, you know, wintry songs into Christmas songs because it makes me think of my favorite things kind of becoming a Christmas song from a sound, from Sound of Music or, um, I mean, even Hallelujah, which obviously you guys have done becoming, you know, related to Christmas. Uh, so I, I love getting creative like that. Yeah, it's so fun. And sometimes like it can back, not, not backfire, but like I'll realize later, like White Winter Hymnal, for instance, we're like wintry, winter. Um, and then we read, read the lyrics after releasing it. We were like, what is this about? <laughs> Same thing with all, yeah. but you know, if it, if it communicates the emotion, it does the job. Um, well, your tour, which we talked about the most wonderful tour of the year, it's gift wrapping up on December oh, 21st. <laughs> I know. That just... was good. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Wow. Writing that down. Uh, after more than 20 shows uh, in the U.S., across the U.S., you played Wyoming and California. You're currently in Florida as we talk to you right now. Um, as you look back um, on this tour, what has been perhaps a favorite memory that you've had either on stage or like backstage or maybe traveling between shows? And I know I, I'm putting you on the spot, but do you have a special memory that stands out for both of you? You know, I would say the... To do the B-Stage moment, it's something that we is a first time for us. And it's so beautiful to be able to be in such close proximity with the fans, to go out there and say hi to them, like truly say hi to them. I always do this thing as Scott Mish and Kirstie are, are singing, as we're coming out, I like tap a fan on the back of their shoulder and they don't know it's me. And I go, hey, are you having a good time? You need any coffee? You need any, you need any tea? And they either, they're freaking out because they're like, is he really speaking to me about getting coffee and tea? I'm like, just, just curious about what you need. You know, we're here to serve. <laughs> it's like super, super fun. But like, it just always catches them off guard that we can be in such close proximity with them because we really want to have that close connection with them. Yeah, I would say like the B stage moment as well is a really really amazing memory and uh we sing this song called thank you that i just love so much and everyone gets their lights out and sings it with us and it just i feel like chris martin when we did that song um but another good memory was last night all, all of us went to disney world and had just like the best day ever and then got to watch the fireworks show that i worked on and it was like because the christmas tour last year is when i submitted the song and so it was just so cool and full circle that we were on Christmas tour this year and we all went to go see it and we happened to go be going right through Orlando. And I was just like crying and freaking out. And it was just amazing. Before we move on, um, I want to know more because I'm a Disneyland freak. Can you encapsulate what you mean by your involvement with a Disney fireworks spectacular at Christmas time? What did you do and how were you involved with them? Yeah, so Epcot um, built this new show and it closes the park every night and it's going to be like this permanent fireworks show that happens kind of like Illuminations was for all those years. And um, they were looking for an original composition for the show. So people like anonymously submitted hundreds of songs and we like made a few cuts, made a few cuts and then found out that our song was going to be put in the show and it opens the show and it reprises at the end and the song is called Heartbeat Symphony about how we're all different melodies playing a part in the symphony of humanity. And it, and it's just really cool because <laughs> so many people are going to go see this over the years and it's just so epic and beautiful and the message is wonderful. And, and I'm also such a Disney fan. And so it was just like a really emotional 
an amazing experience to be involved and just to be at the Imagineering offices in general. I would go as a fan to tour them. <laughs> I've seen all the documentaries and stuff on Disney Plus. So I was just like, I can't believe I'm here to work right now. It's, it was really, really cool. And is this a Scott song or is this a pentaton? Is this a Scott song or a pentatonic song? I want to be clear on that. So I wrote it with my friend AJ. So the two of us wrote it just as songwriters. Okay. Uh, and then the singer Shalea also um, co-wrote with us. Yeah. And and sorry. And the last question, I apologize for this. Are you performing it or is it is it different singers singing it? Different singers singing it. I okay. was just uh, I just like Lynn Weld it. Well, I guess he sings some of the songs, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Alan Minkin did. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Um, while you're in while you're in Orlando, it was actually just announced that fans who you know won't be there tonight will have a chance to stream the show next week um, on Veep. So this is it's kind of a special performance because you know that it's not just going to this one Orlando crowd; it's going to go around the world. Um, is there like a little extra pressure in you know streaming a show like that? Oh, I, yeah. or am I putting the pressure on you right now? <laughs> well, I always put a little extra pressure on it, but I am so glad that we put our live stream so late in the tour, because even if we were to get nervous or we're out of it or like something went wrong, like it's so in our bodies, the show now. So I'm, I'm more like excited to film that. That's awesome. Um, I was really excited to talk to you guys this week because my family just watched Candy Cane Lane on Sunday night. And I was so thrilled the minute you guys started singing. I was like, oh, my God, it's Pentatonix. Like, I didn't know going in it was going to be <laughs> you guys, but I knew immediately. Um, and the whole family loved it. So I'm, I'm curious about, like, when you were approached to be part of this movie and and, you know, how it all came together. I want to say it was last year sometime and uh, the director had been a fan of ours for a while. And so we got in contact with him. He gave us kind of the premise of what he wanted us to do. And we were in and it was really amazing to be on set because I don't think we realized the magnitude of the of what we were creating. I mean, I remember being, you know, in one of the scenes and you're literally with some of the funniest people in Hollywood, literally the alien list of a list and we were just like i don't want to say anything not funny because all of these people are the funniest people and i don't want to look like the fool that doesn't want to make any comments off each other it was unreal and, and it was really cool to see kind of the end product you know like when we were in you know the the those kind of cartoonish kind of figures and it was cool like how they actually created us and how they you know took pictures of us and and and, and how they set that up because you know we do this we, the creation of it for us, you know, it took 10 minutes of taking photos and this apparatus, but I just didn't know that it was going to turn into all of that. So it's, it's just, it's a really cool process to see all of that come to life. Yeah. You're in an Eddie Murphy movie. Like that is very cool. <laughs> it's also cool because we're figurines. We, it was actually like a really easy process. Like we just went into the studio and sang like these 10 second clips, knocked it out in a couple hours but then we get to like be in so much of the movie totally. because we're animated. And it was actually a perfect scenario too, because like we obviously would want to be on set and like have our like real likeness in the movie. And we got to do that at the end. Um, so it was so special all around. And I'm just so happy it's doing so well and people are loving it because the whole cast and crew and director and everyone were so kind and so like good vibes. And you just like want good things to happen to good people. So it's, it's, it's awesome to see it thriving. Maybe you can you know, put in a call to the producers of the film and see if they can maybe give you replicas of your little figurines. <laughs> I love that idea. 
I love that idea. And if they'll also give us a spinoff movie all about the backstory of the figurines. <laughs> yes. I, I feel how, like this, how did this... the carolers become the carolers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is the story? It's, it's the candy cane lane extended universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, your holiday music is played in homes during the festive season um, and has been for years. Uh, but we're wondering what holiday music does Pentatonix play around their house? So are there any particular holiday albums or songs? And I'm sure you've probably been asked this a million times. So, um, but I'm just wondering when you go home or play music around the holidays or on your, on your phone or whatever, what music are you playing that is not Pentatonix music? And, but if you just play Pentatonix music at home, <laughs> that's fine. I love that answer too. You know, what's funny about that? Um, so I have a two and a half year old and she's obsessed with our band, truly obsessed. She loves watching Grinch, Please Santa, Please, uh, 12 Days of Christmas. She asks for it all the time during this time of the year. So in our household, it really is mainly Pentatonix during this time of the year. Like she just wants those videos. And I think also it's kind of subliminally a way for her to stay in, in, in contact with dad, especially while he's gone on tour. And so I, I really love that. And, she, you know, my wife has texted me so many times where she goes, you know, she said, I miss daddy. Play Pentatonix. I go, oh, I love that. That really means something to me that I have such a close bond with her that she actually yearns for me. And so I'm very, very thankful to be playing pentatonics in our household because that keeps the connection. Yeah. When I go home, my parents always put on pentatonics because they just are so excited that I'm home. And so I, I honestly listen to a lot of pentatonics too during the holidays, but I also, my go-to is like a, a playlist of classic old songs from old Christmas movies, the Bing Crosby, White Christmas, anything that's like orchestral and one track like or like mono old um it really puts me in the christmas spirit and so if i'm like looking at christmas lights with mark or we're driving around or something we'll put on like the oldies that's and the best christmas is obviously fast approaching do you guys have any uh traditions that you do each year around this time i think we always joke that our main tradition is going home because <laughs> you know we was like hey you know what we've had a great year love you <laughs> gonna take a little bit of a burr from you <laughs> which you know we're, we're thankful it's well deserved everybody's had a good good christmas tour we we it's just so cool that so many families that we get to to to, to reach during this time so I, I think us going home is a great great holiday tradition <laughs> it is a great holiday tradition and when i go home i have a tradition now it's like three years old now where I make a very involved TikTok with my whole family, sometimes extended family. And we take it very seriously. It's the high production value. <laughs> and it's, it's a super fun way to like bond and be creative and have fun. Love that. I love, I love the, uh, the fam the family bonding over uh, social media and TikTok <laughs> and the, and, and a very elaborate production number involving singing and dancing. I hope. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And my like four and six year old nephews or seven year old nephews, they're like directors. They're like, there's got to be a lot of energy at the top if we're going to hook people. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, OK, look, we've got about like one point five seconds to get them. Otherwise, you're just going to swipe up. We got to keep because psychologically. They will scroll. <laughs> and they're like they're like six year olds. They like they know they know that. it better than like yeah. you do. 
Um, well, no, it's wild. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, uh, we thank you both for for making the time to talk to us for uh, the special edition of our podcast as we come up to the holidays. We hope that you uh, finish out the tour strong, and we hope that you get to spend a lot of quality time off and with your family and loved ones for the holiday season. Um, so thank you, Scott and Kevin, for, for taking the time. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for having us. That was so much fun. Thank you so much to Kevin and Scott from Pentatonix for taking the time to chat. I mean, it's not Christmas without Pentatonix at this point, right? Mm, truly, it's not. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for the chart set of the week. Well, let's stay with Pentatonix here. Let's do that. As we noted in our interview, the group has won three Grammy Awards previously. Katie, can you name the chart-topping artists that they collaborated with to win a Grammy Award in 2017? Your choices are, and yes, they have recorded and released a song with all of these acts, too, by the way. So, here's your choices. Kelly Clarkson, Long Long, The Manhattan Transfer, Marin Morris, or Dolly Parton. Which of those Billboard chart-topping artists won a Grammy Award with Pentatonix in 2017? I believe I was in the press room this oh, year. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, heck. I'm pretty sure it's their version of Jolene with Dolly Parton. That is correct. They won a country Grammy Award for yes. Best uh, Duo Group Collaboration with Vocals, something, something, something. And country. they came back to the press room and spoke. Dolly did not. But I don't they think Dolly did. was even there. I don't think she was either. But yes, I remember I remember Scott going to the mic for sure. Wow. Yep. Uh, but they have actually recorded songs with all those other artists. That's wild. Uh, Quite the diverse range. There's people I didn't even include. I think they've done a song with Jason Derulo. They, I think that happens with Christmas, though. Like, I mean, I know they're not exclusively Christmas. Right. We just talked about Jolene. But I think that you really, uh, you know, can include a lot of different artists when you're doing so much holiday music. All right. Well, there's your chart side of the week. A little uh, quiz, Katie about uh, Pentatonic's uh, Grammy Award-winning history with chart-topping Billboard acts. <laughs> Jolene, 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 Jolene. All right, we've reached the end of our show, our last show of 2023. Uh, any parting words, Katie? I just, you know, it's funny. When we talked to Scott and Kevin, um, I was reminded of when we talked to Darren Chris for his Christmas album a few years ago. He talked about... A very about, Darren Christmas. He turned a John Mayer song that I was surprised that he was able to turn it into a Christmas song. I think it was uh, St. Patrick's Day, oh, which right. is funny. It's a li literal other holiday. He turned that into a Christmas song. And then obviously Pentatonix talked about the seal kiss from a rose because right. it mentions snowing. Snow. I just love that. I kind of love that concept. I, I love the idea of, you know, artists trying to kind of do a different kind of holiday album that isn't so obvious. Yeah. Like maybe like as they talked about, Scott and Kevin talked about taking like, you know, uh, songs with wintry themes yep. or maybe, you know, a cold or a chill or, you know, something, you know, it, you can even go with like autumnal or the top of the new year and like extend the, the, the sentiment and the festivities beyond just Christmas day. Yeah. And I mentioned hallelujah, Re Leonard Cohen song, right. which we have a great article on billboard.com about, 
about how Hallelujah became a Christmas song because of covers like Pentatonix um, did on their previous Christmas album. But that's just kind of like religious. Right. It's kind of like Christmas is for some people, you know, so it's, it's interesting. And some people are just like, oh, it's not religious at all. I just like, you know, Santa and <laughs> exactly. and, and how all the lights are really pretty. And I like giving <laughs> gifts to people. It's yes. not vaguely religious to them at all, even though obviously at its core, it's a religious. Holiday, right, right, you know, right, right. With all that said. With all that said, I just mentioned a lot of songs. Okay. Should we go out on I kind John Mayer's St. Patrick's <laughs> yeah, Day? Is say. that where this was leading I back to? I actually wasn't going to do that. I was actually going to say Seal. <laughs> oh, so Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Um, we'll, the snow part, please. The snow, Keith. Specifically the snow part. <laughs> Editor Keith, can you do that? When it snows. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, I could. Yeah, that's right. You're right. We'll go out on that specific part of Kiss from a Rose, <laughs> and we will see you both. See in you the both. new year. See you we'll both. see you all in the new year. Both. Our two listeners. <laughs> We just ran some numbers and we found out we have two <laughs> listeners. And we will see you both in 2024. See everyone in 2024. <laughs> Bye. But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become alive and the light that you shine can't be seen.